G'day and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd, we'd, like, like, to start the, <laughs> we'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their support in bringing you our weekly Q&A. Today we are fortunate enough to be speaking with Ben Gould from Riverside Working Dogs and Ben will be picking who he thinks has the best question to win our bag of dog food. Good evening, Ben. How are you going? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm um, well, thank you. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, your family, where you're from and what you do. Um, I'm Ben Gould from Riverside Working Dogs. Um, married with uh, a very special wife, Tanil. She's uh, put up a lot with me over the years. <laughs> she's, she's not sitting next to you, is she there, mate? That's no, she's not here. Like... She went oh, away. Okay. She knew I was pretty nervous. So she completely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so she's uh, she's been a strong wife for me, um, propping me up over the years through a lot of things. Um, I've got two kids, Charlie and Cooper, um, and yeah, I'm sixth generation on the farm I'm at now. Um, it's a family farm that's sort of I'm very proud to still be at um, and to um, keep the tradition going of our family with my parents uh, sadly passing over the last few years. So yeah, I'm very proud to still be here. No, sorry to hear that, mate, and uh, I'm sure they're proud of proud of you guys for still being there. What uh, what what stock do you have there, mate? Uh, mainly run heifers. We run about 350 heifers. I sort of buy them around 300 kilos and um, join them to a bull and sort of try and sell them about six months later as uh, red and blue taggers. Um, and then yeah, we run at 120 breeders on top of that. Um, so we've got um, our own country plus I just a lot of country as well. Cool. And people that aren't familiar with uh, red and blue taggers, mate, do you want to elaborate for us a little bit there, please? Uh, red taggers, are, I think it's um, they're four or five months um, further gone in calf and then um, and then the blue tags are under that sort of thing. So the red tags are heavy in calf yep. and, um, and closer to calf and then the blues are um, pregnant uh, but just under that four or five months, yeah. Uh, very cool, mate. So you mentioned sixth-generation farmer, so obviously you passion for working dogs and livestocks bred into you yeah especially the the farming part the dogs sort of came a little bit later but um they're sort of always there in the background sort of thing yeah did, did you ever have an option no, no <laughs> definitely not now <laughs> <laughs> so how do you use your dogs in your day-to-day -day life um generally i try and carry a dog with me all the time whether i need them or not um, it's a good way of building a bond between a dog, I feel. Um, and nine times out of ten, if you do take a, don't take a dog somewhere that you, and you don't need it, when you get there, generally you do need it sort of thing. So, yeah, I cart them around with me all the time. Um, I couldn't do what I do without them at all um, with adjustment paddocks. And I do a bit of contract mastering for a local agent here as well. So, um, yeah, no chance of doing it without the dogs. What, what would that look like without dogs? Like you said, no chance, but... Why, why is that? The terrain or the, oh, the just, amount of stock work? Oh, the amount of stock work and, and the amount of um, toing and from back and forth, like um, even being on the dairy with quiet cattle, not having a dog is an absolute pain in the ass because when you're walking the cows to the dairy, uh, because they're so quiet, they're just happy to stop. So it's, it's not about pulling them up, it's about getting them going and, and um, the amount of extra k's you do on a motorbike back and forth, you know, 50 metres back and forth because a cow stopped it eat a bit of clover or something like that. Whereas um, just having one dog, one soft dog that's sort of just back and forth and just keeping them sort of poking along at a nice steady pace. Yeah, um, so what what have you got in your current team at the moment? 
Um, so my main working dogs at the moment is uh, Kojak, um, Patch, Sky, and Scarlet are my main go-to dogs that sort of can handle the, the pressure and, and, and stuff, and they're all by um, Woodford Jack. Um, and I've got a couple younger dogs coming through that are by Zane, uh, American dog I brought semen um, here, and, um, yeah, they're coming along nicely. And then, um, yeah, the, a couple of litters on the ground at the moment sort of thing. So um, I don't generally keep too many dogs. Um, I am a little bit time poor, um, so I feel I just keep enough that I can. I know I can keep on top of. Um, sometimes I wish I did have a few more um, adult dogs sort of thing for the for the bigger weeks um, to try and give the other ones a bit of a rest. But um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a process to build up numbers. And you mentioned your team there is probably a bit or is heavily invested with Woodford Jack blood. What was that? I, I rate him highly as a as a, as a dog um, purely because he seems to improve dogs like the like his pups are generally better than him as well um he's just a, a good calm dog with with good strength um and and just breeding on well um there's not too many dogs that you can probably call a, a true side dog around at the moment like if you look at a, a lot of old pedigrees with um you know the the turbos the branson dons and, and those sort of things that pop up everywhere there's there's not too many dogs at, at the moment that are that are doing that um and I feel he's like he'd be 10 or maybe 11 or 12 now. And I think people are starting to realise that and using him quite a bit. And um, it, it's going to start popping up more and more because they're, they're actually making it into the workforce. So we've sp- spoken there about your pack a bit. Why, why Collies, mate? Uh, I, I've had Kelpies and I, I didn't mind them. Um, I feel, and this is just my opinion, the Collies have probably got a bit of a cooler mind. Um, say on the weeks when you don't have a ton of work, um, I feel like the collies are happy, you know, like they're not um, up and down the pen, you know, and, and if, say if they are on a chain, big rings around your kennels. And, um, but, yeah, I, I just found the, the collies to be a cooler mind and just, just easier, easier for what I was wanting. Bark on cattle or no bark on cattle, mate? What, what's your preference? I, I prefer no bark. Yep. Um, but sometimes it's handy if you're in the bush somewhere to hear a bit of a yap just every now and then just so you do know where they are. Um, <laughs> but sometimes that's, that's a hassle too because then the cattle know where, where they are too. So, um, yeah, generally no bark. Yeah, right. I've seen a few people lately using um, hunterways on cattle. Well, yep. have, any opinion on that, mate? Uh, I think it'd be tough with cows and calves, um, hunterways, because they draw a lot of attention and, and cows would be coming straight out at them. Um, you know, on on dry stock, it, it may be okay. Um, it it it, um, it may fire the, the younger cattle up to run a bit faster if they're barking in behind, maybe. Um, but you know, everything serves a purpose, and if you use them for the right jobs, I, I did. You know, they'll definitely do a job. It's pretty cool to see people trying different things out there at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, what are you looking for in your own line? Um, main thing I'm looking for there's a couple of things is um, want. I really, I want a dog to just have, to want to please you, to, to want to work for you, to, to, to have all the want to do everything for you, to, to um, you know, when the shit hits the fan, they want to get you out of it. Um, you know, I, when I work my dogs, I can be a bit loud and some dogs just don't handle that. Um, so I need a dog that, you know, um, they, they want to kick another gear when, when it's hitting the fan sort of thing. Um, the other thing is type. I'm, I'm big on type. 
I haven't, I've got some that I'm, I'm really happy with, but I'm still building on that. I, I want good, strong, well-boned dogs, sleek skin. Um, that's what I'm sort of chasing. Um, it doesn't always work like that, uh, but it's a direction I'm trying to aim for. I, I was going somewhere with a question then, and <laughs> I got sidetracked with thinking about more that you're saying. Um, it um, but anyways, um, has the type changed too much from where you were? Originally, like what you, the dogs you already had in your pack, as in type wise, yeah. um, no, not really. My my original dog was an old dog digger. He was he was a, a big sort of a dog. He was a Kelpie cross, um, and then Jake he was a big dog, and then um, a few of my bitches have been medium sized sort of bitches. But um, a, a few dogs I've got uh, two males I've got now, especially are quite big and well boned dogs. So it's it's heading in the right direction where I'm trying to aim for. Yeah, right. And, and so I just remember where I was going there before. You, you're talking about want. So you prefer your pups to have a, a lot of go about them rather than try to build desire in them early yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah, you can slow a dog down, I feel, uh, but you can't uh, bring a dog up. Um, so if they've got that want and that desire to, to really work for you, really please for you, they're the dogs you can re rely on on those, on those tough hot days or... Uh, when when you're really struggling, that um, that desire to to want to please you and, and and not give up on you. Cool. So, how do you pick a pup for yourself when you know they're eight weeks old? Oh, there is. I've tried every, <laughs> I've tried every different way: the runt, the big one, the the ugly one. The it's it as far as I can I can figure out, it's the luck of the draw, um, sort of thing. So. But I, I do try and pick that bigger pup. Um, I do try and, and keep an eye on which is the first one to crawl out of the box. Um, whether it's right or not, I don't know, but that's that's things I, I try and look for is, is is a good size pup because they're the ones generally, the, the strong ones wanting to, to try and, and um, even being a little bit dominant, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that's, that's sort of um, the only thing I can really pick for and, and um, it doesn't always work either. <laughs> Have you had any experiences like, or what experiences have changed your mind or, or what, about the way you pick a pup? Like how far how, would you normally hold on? You pick something, then you go, oh, you hold on to it and you go, no, or you, would you give it more time because it's something you liked? Or I've learned now, especially the last few years, if I'm not getting on with a pup, if I don't feel that we're, we're clicking early, um, I'll try and move the pup on because they generally got a, um, enough talent. It's just that uh, I'm not clicking with them and rather than me, because uh, I'm not the most patient person, fighting back and forth and, and not getting on with the pup, uh, I feel I'm better off um, giving someone else the opportunity early um, and to. And I've had a lot of experiences with uh, people taking on dogs that I just didn't get on with that, that are absolutely wrapped with them. So I, I find that's a, that's a big thing I've learned is, is not to hang on too long with something that's not clicking with me and giving them the, the best opportunity um, for themselves. Have you ever had something that, um, like you've thought wasn't going to suit you and it might have picked up an injury or something and you thought, oh, you know, you can't, you have to hold on to it a bit longer and then found that it's worked, it's changed? I, I found that with um, a bitch having a litter of pups sometimes um, that can settle, settle a bitch down. I haven't had the experience with something getting injured, but I've definitely had it with, um, you know, a litter of pups maturing a bitch um and changing changing things that i've had issues with but um yeah that's probably the main experience i've had there what advice would you give to someone trying to pick a pup 
Um, I don't know. I, I think um, make sure you got the time to start off with. I, I feel if you haven't got the time, if you find something you really want, if you feel um, headspace is a big thing for me. Um, that if you're not in the right headspace to, to be um, starting a dog or training a dog, it's it's not worth doing because um, you know you 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 can get uh, too short with a dog. I feel if you're not in the right headspace. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably the main advice I'd have is is make sure you're ready um, to to take that on. I can actually relate to that, mate, because I don't know how many pups I've quit too early because I haven't been in the right headspace and I find myself a bit too hard on those pups. Yeah. And I look back and I see, you know, no regrets because I've moved them on for for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And I see someone else doing well with that pup and I'm just like, I feel good that they're doing well with it. And I think, but why? And I try to actually psychoanalyze myself a bit more to go, why wasn't my headspace right and could I have done something different? And yeah. Not for just for the pup, but myself as well. Yeah, I find a lot of people put too much pressure on on a young dog and and not really look at what they're doing themselves. Um, and you know, I've I've done it in the past myself, and that's why, you know, I try and really look at where I'm at at the time, and then um, you know, and also if I'm not clicking with the dog, it's something you can't force them to to happen. And I feel you're better off giving that pup every opportunity and letting someone else have a go. Have you ever found a pup to you, but you don't take to it? Yeah, and I've, I've found it both ways as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, uh, a good example was I, I had a nice little bitch um, called Patch, and um, I, I did really like her, and she um, she didn't like me at all. Like it's and, and it was so hard because I really she had a heap of potential. She was a good type, and um, I was talking to a person. They said, "Oh, what's this dog?" And I said, "Oh, it's Patch." And I said, "It won't come to me. You know, it's ignorant, but it, it's got so much potential." And this uh, friend of mine called out her name and, and she it was oh, actually my father-in-law and he called out her name and she ran straight over to him, you know. So it was just a, a thing that wasn't clicking between her and I and it wasn't due to me neglecting her or anything. It's just that it was um, yeah, she didn't like something about me. So he inherited a new dog? No, um, Joe Levin ended up getting her and um, yep. that's how I came about getting um, Patch and Sky. So when Joe bred... The original patch to Woodford Jack. That's how I got um, my patch and sky that I've got now. Oh, cool. And you've spoken a bit about breeding there, mate. Who do you think are the most influential, not just size, but dams um, in in your in what what you've done? I was going to say your era, but just in general for what what you do. I suppose originally uh, there was a bitch highlight candy was a was a bitch I really liked and and. Um, and she, I bought a pup out of her from Trevor Tessman, which is high like cow dogs. Um, and she, she was um, a really nice bitch, and and um, she was probably one of the bitches that were. Um, so this would be, well, I might be seven, eight years ago, I guess, or maybe a bit longer. They were thousand dollar pups back then, um, sort of thing. So she, she had a bit of a name for herself um, then. So that was my experience on something that I've tried, um, but I suppose. One that popped up in, in pedigrees everywhere is is clover, uh, yep. clover. Yeah, so there's sort of two that come to mind at the moment. Um, but um, yeah, and, and, and a bitch that I actually do uh, have found, and she's one of mine, is is uh, dot highlight dot. She's she's bred on pretty well with everything. Um, she's sort of she's sort of gone to. So yeah, she's been a bitch that I, I find is a, a very good dam. 
I've, I've actually seen it. Uh, I know you mentioned a few pedigrees, and you touched on um, price of pups back then, and you said back then. Now, where do you think um, the value of a of pups and a good working dog? Where, how do you see the direction of that heading? Well, I, f- I feel dogs are finally starting to get their worth. Um, you know, the the days of the fifty dollar pup from the neighbour or a carton of beer or something like that. There's a there is a worth to a pup because um breeders put a lot of work time effort into dogs and and raising them costs money um you know so i I feel that the value should be there um one of my main points is you see how much people pay for a horse well Mm. my point is you can get cattle in with a shit horse you know (laughs) but if you get a dog that won't work or is is no good you know but the, the horse is worth a lot more money so that's, I've that's never once thought of it like that, but that's yeah, it's very mm. true. Yeah, well, the dogs dogs mm. are, are worth worth men really. So mm. um, that's where I, I feel that the value should be there. And with the increase of value in a working dog, the one thing that I'm a bit worried about, concerned about, I suppose, is where that's going to leave the breeds of working dogs, whether it be kelpies, collies, whatever it may be, but people just jumping on the bandwagon. Have you thought any deeper into that? Uh, how do you mean? Like um, with the value of dogs coming up, do you think they'll just, you know, let's call them backyard breeders just... I was going to say, I think oh, there's yes. more pets and stuff. Yeah, well, just just in general, like people just mm-hmm. breeding for a dollar rather than for quantity rather than quality. Yeah, and that, those sort of people will give the dog game a bad name. Um, generally, they get found out pretty quick, I feel, because um, word of mouth is, is pretty pretty strong in the dog world. So, uh, you know, it can last for a period of time, but, you know, it's, it's uh, nothing worse than someone receiving a bad pup from you or the bad review because it, it spreads really quickly. And, and um, so I feel that a lot of that sort of stuff in that world will will pull up uh, or people will realise it if they, if they are trying to rule the system. I hope so, mate, because I'd, uh, I'd hate to see the pounds full. Yeah, um, yeah. How do you go about starting a pup? Um, starting a pup, and this goes back to state of my mind, um, I, I don't really set a time when to start a dog, um, age or anything. It, it depends on so many factors, myself, time, headspace, um, the pup's mental, um, whether it's ready to go. Um, so it's generally a combination of everything, um, and, and that's when I'll, when I'll start a pup. So um, the best thing for pups also is kids. Um, I think there's no better way to start um handling a pup is, is kids you know in and out the kennel playing with them carrying them around everywhere and and um you know uh and and you know the kids can get a little bit rough with dogs sometimes but that's you know the the, the pup that's still following the kids around at the end of the day and absolutely loving life that's that, that's a good way of picking a pup also but um yeah i feel you, you just gotta be ready yourself and everything else has got to line up with it the pup's got to be ready and, and and all that as well has that changed yeah, it has, it has with me, um, and a lot of that's changed due to having kids. I don't have that spare time like I used to to play around with the pups myself. Um, so there's been a bit of a gap in a few years where I've, I've lost a bit of that time um, with work commitments and, and young family sort of thing because you used to be able to finish work and you go muck around with dogs for a while and you come in and, and, and have dinner sort of thing. But um, now you sort of you knock off work and then you go to play with the dogs and you can hear the kids fighting and then, you know, <laughs> the wife having a bit of trouble with them. And, and um, 
So it's, it is a bit of a juggling act, and that's why I've sort of cut back a little bit at the moment on trying to keep young dogs. But uh, the kids now, at the age they are, they're sort of starting to do the, the shorter things, the smaller things for me, which, um, you know, a lot of times it's, it's that 12 weeks to six months is, is um, I feel, is a lot of time just to try and mate up with the dog or just get them to be human-friendly sort of thing. It's good to hear someone else has the same problems I do. I actually um, put up a comment on Dog Talk, um, well, it would have been maybe five, six weeks ago, about dogs and kids. Um, do you Once you start training a dog, how much interaction do you let your kids have with them? Does that change at all? Not at all. Uh, I feel if you take that away, that dog does become a one-man dog. Um, it's not a proven thing with me, but that's just my uh, opinion from what I've sort of seen a little bit, I suppose, I think it's good to have interaction with other people. Um, and, you know, there might be a chance that that dog gets to two-year-old and it doesn't work out for me, but it's still, you know, it, it helps that dog to go to someone else, I feel, because it hasn't been just stuck with me for that period of time. So how much time do you put into training? Um, at the moment, a lot of it's on the job yep. um, sort of thing. I've, I've Yeah, I've, I've sort of slackened off over the years um you know going back when i f first sort of i only used to have one or two dogs and then so by the time one of them were old and you're ready for a young one well you had all the time you know um but then once you start getting a few other dogs and it, it becomes a, a, a time factor um so especially the last 12 months a lot of my training has been on the job sort of thing so you feel your dogs are better for that I, I do, actually. I, I feel you can take the, the work out of a dog. Um, one of the things I, I really don't like about uh, when working dogs is that dog's constantly looking back at you, yeah. uh, looking for directions. And sometimes by, um, and I've done this, and sometimes by putting too much work in early, you can take the work out of the dog a little bit and they're looking for too much from you. Um, so that's where I feel, you know, um, maybe just leave them alone a little bit longer and just um, let them figure things out for themselves. You really know what sort of dog you've got at the end of the day. If you find yourself in that situation where the dog is looking back for you, what what are some tips that you could give our listeners out there today? For what's something, how would you approach that? I think if, if it is looking back at you, try and leave it alone. You know, like just leave the dog alone, let it let it keep going and, and, and let it start getting its own direction, start get a feel for the cattle itself. And, and some dogs it's just in them sort of thing, but um, yeah, I feel if you can just leave them alone a little bit and um, I can be a bit bad for it for trying to control too much. Um, but, yeah, I feel if you can just leave them alone and let them try and figure things out for themselves, that can sort of help that dog work through that. And um, you mentioned starting on, like, cattle there. So do you start your dogs on cattle or do you progress from other livestock? I, I try and start them on sheep. Um, purely because if they've got a little bit of strength or they've got a little bit of want and, and, and the tense sort of thing, they're generally going to get hurt on cattle because they put themselves in a silly situation. Um, so if I can start them on sheep, that's, that's generally the way I will try and start them and just try and get a little bit of distance, a little bit of control and and, um, and just go from there and then sort of bring them up to, to um, stock and try and start them on sort of either wieners or, or dry cattle, definitely not cows and calves, just let them get their mind a little bit first. So what sort did you have on them before you transition onto cattle? Is there any um, commands in particular or well, that I one? Feel, no, the, the one um, are, are definitely a stop and a come behind. Um, 
it's nine times out of ten, if you can stop your dog, the cattle will fix their position a little bit and then you can correct the dog out and around and get things sorted out again. Whereas if you don't have that stop, uh, when it does go to shit, it just keeps going and getting worse and worse and then, you know, your blood's boiling. Uh, whereas if you could just stop the dog and um, call it in behind and let things settle, um, you can nine times out of ten get yourself out of a bit of strife. So when starting out mucking around with dogs, mate, who inspired you? Um, well, I suppose the, the, the first fellow I used to muck around with a lot once I started trialling was um, Shane Randall. Um, he was a friend of mine that sort of lived about half an hour, 40 minutes from here. And um, he, he's he got a good line of dogs and he was he was nice enough to sort of invite me around and he had a bit of a setup in his backyard for with some sheep and, um, you know, I, you know, for a fair period of time, I was around there once or twice a week, um, you know, and it was, him and his family were nice enough to take um, me and Sunil in and, and sort of look after us and, and sort of, um, and he was always no problem with telling me what I was doing wrong. And, and we had we had that understanding that, you know, I need to learn and, and um, he was very good with me like that. That um, casino area seems to be pretty strong with cattle trialers. Um, how much interaction do you have away from trialling? Oh, not not a lot um, from my point of view. I, I don't have a lot of the time, but um, with Robert Johnson up the road, I know he has training days and he invites a lot of people in um, sort of thing. So, but um, it, it's, it's probably one of the best place, places to cattle dog trial on the North Coast here because, you know, uh, at Casino, I think within two hours, we've probably got 10 to 15 trials within two hours drive. Yeah, that's not too bad, is it? And I envisage it's a lot like yard trialling where you can come, run half a dozen dogs and, and head home all in the same day? Yeah, some of the trials, a lot of show trials are single-day trials, um, but but uh, most of the, the, the main trials are generally um, two-day trials and they're starting to get a bit more numbers and there's been the odd one that's had to start on a Friday afternoon. Um yeah, so it's um, we're definitely blessed to be where we are, uh, fuel-wise, anyway. Cool. So how long have you been trialling for? I uh, started trialling in 2012. Um, I, um, I, I lived just up the road from Robert Johnson, and um, I seen there was a, just happened to be a sign-up one day of Cattle Dog Trial, and, and um, I just followed it in and got into his place, and and I uh, happened to know a few people there and they said there was a bush dog trial um, the next day. If you had a dog, come and give it a run. Um, so I come home and I set a couple of panels up in the, in the paddock and, um, yeah, I still remember my old man standing there and saying, you'll, you'll never do any good out of this. You're better off going to work. And, and um, anyway, I, I, got the, I did the course that I made up at home and, and uh, we went in the next day and, he, and uh, my dog Jake won the uh, bush dog trial hooked ever since that's now, the way to do it <laughs> now you got me mate what's a bush dog trial uh bush dog trial in our area is someone who hasn't trialed before or sometimes they make the rule that someone who hasn't placed at a trial before and the whole idea of it is to get people in that, that probably aren't confident enough to have a go um against in the maiden novice or open events and generally the rules are relaxed a little bit instead of having three heads they'll have five um, they will relax to the rules that you're allowed to walk off your peg and, and assist your dog. And it's just all about confidence building and to get people to go, well, that wasn't so bad. 
Sorry, my phone's just gone off its head here. It's not a question. That, <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, uh, that actually comes up. Mate, um, I know in um, yard trialling three sheep, a lot of people um, moving towards whistles over commands. What's, what's your preference? Um, I whistle, um, generally because the dogs are a fair distance away with a lot of the jobs I do. Uh, a lot of my home jobs here are all close, but um, yeah, generally if I'm doing a, a contract job or some of my bush paddocks that I got, you know, the dogs are just generally way too far away to even hear what I'm saying. Um, so I'm lucky enough I can whistle uh, just with my mouth. I don't need a, uh, an actual whistle or anything. So that's a shame. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was learning to whistle, um, I, I, I was doing it with my fingers and um, Dad said, don't ever learn to whistle with your fingers. And I was like, why is that? And he said, well, if your hands are covered in shit one day, how are you going to pull your dog? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I was um, doing a bit of uh, drafting with my mate and he, I seen him put his fingers in his mouth and went, how'd that go down? And he goes, yeah, not that great. I won't do that again. <laughs> In cattle trialling, what is the one main thing that you see a lot of handlers struggle with? I think off balance. I think getting their dog off balance is, is a big struggle and it can be a struggle um, with myself as well because that does take a fair bit of practice because naturally your dog wants to balance. And um, so the, the easy part is, is from the dog's point of view is bringing them the stock to you. But a lot of times you need the dog to be off balance in a spot where the, the weight is getting pulled, like the cattle are sort of wanting to go a different direction to you. And if your dog's in behind and balance and bringing them to you, you're just bringing them faster. And my old dog, Jake, he was very good at working off balance. A lot of times he wouldn't actually be behind the stock, he'd be beside them and just ready for that weight for where they're wanting to pull towards. And by having that dog already in the right position and, and away from the stock a little bit can slow them up and, and just steady them down and, and um, make the rest of the run a bit easier yeah right so do you guys in in cattle trying still love a dog that heads or is it not as important it's not as important um a, a lot of people don't like the idea of a heel dog at all but for trialing it, it is a it is a plus to have it because um if the cattle are rerun a lot over the weekend, especially Brahman cattle, they can settle right down to a point where they, they just won't walk. And those those true heading dogs, all they can do is get back up to the head, hit them on the on the head, turn the stock back around where they've come from, and um, and you're sort of losing points because the cattle are going round and round instead of in a straight line. So yep. I I do feel that the heel is a is a weakness if if it's not used right because the dog can fall back on it. But um, used correctly, you've got the ultimate dog. If you get a dog that can head and pick up a heel on command, you know, that's that's the dog. Especially if you've got dirty country as well, not just for trialling. Um, you know, since my old dog Jake is not in the team anymore, I don't have any dogs that will pick a heel up. And, and the amount of times I've been stuck at a creek or stuck in some lantana or something like that, and just, just a nip on the heel to, to drive something out would have been perfect. Yeah, uh, we're actually going to apologise <laughs> to our viewers out there. We um, just got, that's why my phone was going nuts. Uh, the question bar wasn't underneath, so we with, haven't. With last week's Q&A not being live, I had to change the settings and they hadn't been changed back. <laughs> so that's why we hadn't had any questions um, come through just yet, but I think we've fixed that now. Yeah, 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. cool. So while we're waiting for the, the questions to come back now, I hope I haven't asked a lot of those questions because we could have stole some dog bag, some food off some people there. Um, when you are trialling and, you, like you said there, the cattle get a bit heavy, how, and you don't want those dogs that's heading, how are you pushing your cattle through the course when they're getting heavy? It's about positioning and just really not taking their head away. Like if, if, a, if they are getting heavy and slow, you really just don't want the dog anywhere up past the hip um, sort of thing because as soon as you take a little bit of momentum away, they can just stop completely if they're really quiet and, and, and had enough runs. Um, so it's just about positioning the dog in the right way and anticipating what the cattle are wanting to do. And, um, yeah, it's just – it changes for every beast. So has trialling changed much over the years from what you've seen? Yeah, I think um, especially from when I first started, it wasn't as competitive. Um, it was more uh, a bit of a, a good catch-up. There was definitely the comp competition part there, but I think um, a lot more people are taking it more serious, which I think is a good thing. Um, but I still hope the, the fun part stays. Um, they're... they're it, it can happen, but um, hopefully it doesn't get to the point where it's too professional and the fun part goes out of it. Um, but that's that's the main thing I, I feel has probably changed. Do you think there's a way to keep that fun in there from what you've seen? Well, I, I feel it's probably easier if, if, if people take a bit of a chill pill, you know. Uh, yeah. Sort of thing, and, and we're not playing for sheep stations, but it is a competition and, and you do have to be serious. I get that, but... Um, yeah, I feel that you can get a little bit too full on sometimes and, and I've done it myself, you know. Um, you just got to realise that it is it is a fun sport to be in and we're, we're very lucky to, to do it. So that's what I feel can make it better. And have you noticed any change in handlers' ability or the way handlers approach the cattle trail? They've probably improved a bit. I think there's um, probably more schools out there um, now than what there was when I started or I'm, I'm more aware of schools. Um, so uh, people are very keen to get to them. Um, so I think that's a, a big plus uh, for the dog world. I was going to ask something else then. I forgot. My, my head's all over the shop tonight. Um, Do you have a favourite trial you like to participate in? Yeah, um, Benalbo by far is my favourite trial. It's a little town uh, not far from Casino. Um, it's um, a great trial to start young dogs. It's, it's a tight little course, a tight little arena, and the cattle are always spot on, absolutely spot on. So um, it makes a great open trial, um, makes it very tough because the, the scores are generally very high. Um, but they are still the cattle that if you don't get it 100% right, they, they will peel a few points off you. So um, it, it's not a, one of those easy trials where the cattle just do everything absolutely right for you, they still will test you. So, yeah, Benalbo is definitely my favourite. Tell us a little bit about the different um, courses in cattle trolling. The, the two main ones I've done uh, is a mirror course. Um, so the entry is generally up uh, one end of the, um, the course and then the exit's at the complete opposite and the, the two obstacles that are in the middle are exactly the same. So you just got to do figure eights. Uh, through both those obstacles and um, oh, I don't mind that way of doing things. They they generally try and use it for cattle flow, makes things a lot quicker because they'll yep. send the cattle, they'll work them from one end to the other and once the whole lot go across then they'll work them back. Um, so from a um, time point of view, it's it's a good way of doing things. 
Um, and then your normal one where there's a bit of a hole generally at the back fence somewhere, and then you go to a, um, a bit of a race and then go through a gap and then go on your way home sort of thing. But um, they're, they're both, I enjoy doing both of them. How much time are you guys normally given for your course? Five minutes. Five minutes. And that's that's the basic across the board regardless of the course? or Yeah, five five minutes. Um, I think in Queensland it might even be six minutes. Um, yep. They'll ring a bell at five minutes. Um, so, you know, sort of where you're at, you've got a minute to go and you can actually choose to keep trying to finish where you are or you can actually – uh, quit your position and um, and take the cattle home and try and get the the points at the at the gate at home. Okay, so you just forfeit the points that you already. Oh, you forfeit obstacles. what you could have got. Like, um, say if there's another obstacle, you can say I'm not going to do that last obstacle, and yep. I'm, I'm just going to go for the home gate. And so you 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 can you, you forget about one obstacle, you lose, you don't get the, the chance to get points for that, and then you you can take it home. Yeah, okay. And you mentioned a couple of different courses there. For anyone looking at getting into cattle trialling, should they be looking for a particular kind of trial or course or should they just have a crack at at anything, anything they can get to? I think a lot of the time it depends on what facility you've got will we'll determine whether you can run a mirror course. Um, you do need panels and yards at the end um, to, to hold the stock to be able to rerun them back and, and you know, some facilities just don't have that. So it'll just depend on what sort of um, is available. So question here from Natalie Grimmer. How do you prepare your dogs before a trial? And could you potentially give us a few exercises you would go through with different types of dogs? And would you use sheep or cattle for the fine tuning? Okay, so sh sheep are good for fine tuning unless you've got really quiet wieners or something like that, because the fine tuning part, you don't need the cattle running around everywhere. Um, and one of my um, training uh, runs that I do before a trial a lot of time would be uh, to have a mob of cattle or, or sheep sort of thing about maybe 20, 30 metres away from me and I'd send the dog round and try and keep distance. But before the dog even gets to the back, I'd sit the dog before they could get to the balance of the cattle. Like, and then I'd sit the dog off him and then call the dog back off and come in behind me right back around and back to the other side of the stock and still not let them get in behind the stock again. And what that does is start creating that off balance call um, because I don't really have a good left and right call on my dogs. I don't practice enough. Um, so it's a good way of me cheating. It's, it's like it, it's a <laughs> cheat way sort of thing. So, um, and that can, that can be just a five, 10 minute run of, you know, just not letting the dog get in behind the cattle because that's where they want to be. So the hardest part is getting them away from where they want to be, and I, I feel that's a, a trick that's worked for me a lot. And how much would you work them down before a trial? You, you... Uh, sometimes I don't. Yeah, um, okay. Sometimes I don't at all. Um, and it does show sometimes, and then other times it, it doesn't make much difference. But if if you're sort of doing a bit of that with, you, with my work, I, I try and put a bit of that that sort of extra polish in when I'm doing the work, just call them off, doing certain things where they don't actually have to really do it, but just a, a couple of times a week doing that sort of keeps them um, keeps them sharp. And a cattle um, work down before every trial? No. They, they, uh, one trial I've been to, they um, they backed the truck into the um, arena and had a loading <laughs> ramp off it and they'd open the gate and let three head out. So that was, um, yeah, there was no work down there. 
that sort of few dogs out. Mm. So, um, but yeah, nine times out of ten, they 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 try and get the the committees that are running trials to have someone go out, you know, a fortnight, three weeks beforehand, and just start handling stock. Um, a lot of time, the stock are fine until you get off your horse or till you get off the motorbike, mm. and they 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 they're like, oh, this is weird, and that's can be an issue when you get to a trial. So, a lot of times, it's just about you know, walking through stock and just having the dog stay off the stock and you just walk walk around and through them just so they're stuck getting used to um, people on, on foot. So question here from Chris Egan. Do you think the collie lines from different countries, Australia, UK, New Zealand and USA, suit a particular breed of cattle here in Australia better than others? Um, the reason, I, I think there's good dogs in every country. Um it's just there's some people favour different things. Um, the reason I went to Zane in America was there's not too many dogs that I could see do what he does in the way he could sit under stock calmly. Like um, there's videos of him with cow just sort of pretty well jumping all over him, and he's just he's just sitting there calmly sort of thing. Or as soon as um, as soon as they make the command to, to bite or hit, he he can do that and then and then still be calm to, to be able to stay under. Um, cattle like that um so that's that's the reason why i went that way uh, and i'm sure there would be dogs like that in the uk and all other places i just i just picked this dog because i liked him personally what do you feel is your best achievement so far um probably winning the 2014 uh, australian open dog of the year with jake um that was a that was a big thing we I wasn't even really chasing points. I didn't really know what points were back then. I'd only been trialing for uh, two years sort of thing. And um, I found out that I was sort of going well in the New South Wales points and um, and started going to a couple more because I thought, oh, well, I might have a go at this. And, and then realised that I was going well in the Australian points and then really started driving uh, for the last three months trying to go to trials everywhere. I ended up doing um, 22 trials for the year. And um, I worked out it was about 10,500 kilometres sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of driving and, and um, it, you know, I was very, very happy. And, and I, I think that was the, the point where my uh, father finally realised that it was, it was a good thing what I was doing <laughs> because he always work, work, work. And I remember on the second last trial, we um, were, I think we were leading only by a couple of points and I was driving home from Rockhampton and he said to me, um, why don't you stay in Rocky for the week? Because there was another trial up there. And um, it's an opportunity you don't want to miss out on, you know, you don't want to regret sort of uh, missing out on a trial and someone passing you. So that was the first time I, I felt it was probably acceptance from him that it was a good thing what I was doing. So, yeah, that was probably definitely my um, best achievement was the 2014 dog of the year. How, um, how are points taken? Are they all like placings or? Yeah, so first place is six points. Yep. And, and it works its way down uh, to one for six. And then there's a bonus point for every dog um, over 30. So 10, So if there's 10 dogs over 30, which is uh, 40 dogs, there's a bonus point. So um, so six yeah. becomes seven and four becomes five sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So like your uh, maths is on it today. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a first. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, it was brought in that rule a few years ago because um, you could go to a dog trial at a small show and there might be 20 dogs or 30 dogs in it and you get the same amount of points as if you win one of the big ones when there's 200 dogs. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So they're, they're sort of rewarding the dogs for winning the bigger events. Yeah. Um, which sort of made it a bit more of a level playing field. I think that's a – I like that idea. Growing that's up good. in the horses, yeah, with our local point scores, it wasn't like that. So I, I like that idea of it. And what about during during a trial? Do you do much judging at all? I've done a little bit. I'm, yep. I'm probably not the best judge. I get distracted, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's good. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've done a little bit of judging and um, it, it's not an easy job, but it, it, it's um, – it's it, it's the people that do do it. It's it's um, credit to them. Yeah. And and what are you looking for? Like, how are you taking points off when you're judging? Um, I'm I'm just looking for a dog that does what he needs to do. Um, you know, like there's there's some dogs that create issues. There's some dogs that don't do enough. You know, that um, the cow can walk off off course sort of thing, just purely because the dog's just sort of happy to sort of sit along behind him and. He's not doing anything wrong, really, but he's not doing anything correct either. So it's just doing enough and um, not doing too much or, or not doing enough. Question here from Dave Motley. Do you have a, you have a different approach to the heavier European-type cattle versus the freer-moving Boss Indigo style, um, style? How big of a part does stock handling play in your cattle trialling? Plays a lot. Plays a lot, and that comes back to the anticipation on what the cattle are wanting to do, um, you know, and especially some of those Angus cattle, they want, the, especially the bigger ones as well, they really want to pick a fight with a dog a lot of the time. And if you can have a dog that can just stand and hold his ground and just, and not put that bite on, um, a lot of times that, that's that's a lot better than, than biting um, sort of thing. And then your yak cattle, they can handle a bit more of a bite sometimes, but um, you can go in with all the plans in the world and, and until you get out there, it, um, it, it changes straight away and do you have do you do you go out there with some kind of different approach before before you get um, I, I used to try and plan and have what i'm going to do and and um and then i even sometimes given someone advice before they went out there and you go out there and you think oh that was wrong you know um <laughs> so i think it's you just got to take it as it comes out the gate you know and it, it is a quick decision and you know it's, it's right or wrong within one second sort of thing so it's um thinking on the run and um you know changing plan not sticking to plans because um you know it, it can go can go pear shape real quick and we've touched a lot on stock handling tonight and do you think that's a massive part of where the more ex- experienced stock handlers um less experienced stock handlers come undone over the guy over the people that do more of it it can be, it, it it can be because they're not anticipating, you know, reading stock on on what position where they where they're wanting to go, and that's where the weight comes into it as well. So it, it's big on anticipating um, stock, and you know, you don't have to be a, a cow person to know all that. It's just um, yeah. it's just thinking ahead, thinking on the run. And talking about anticipation, there, I can't imagine you can see your dog a lot of the time. Um, behind cattle where I suppose when we're working sheep, we've got the advantage of being able to see it over the top. So are you guys barking orders at your dog or trying to anticipate for your dog or are you just letting him have his head while trolling as well? Uh, a bit of both. It, it depends at the time and what you need. Um, I can be an over-talker, especially with Jake. I used to um, talk way too much with him and I don't know why I did because he never used to listen anyway. Um, as, as good as he was... Um, I should. I just needed to shut my mouth with him, sort of thing. And um, 
he um, yeah, he was just the sort of dog I needed to leave alone, but I, I, I couldn't. It was just a stress thing with me, um, I think, with him. And, and um, But, yeah, a lot of times it's just um, at the time you've got to make the decision and, and um, if they're in behind and the cattle are coming the right direction, there's, there's no need to say anything. But um, then you've got to start thinking, okay, a lot of times cattle will walk quite slowly to an obstacle and for some reason once they do go through it, they want to trot. So, you know, you've got to start thinking, okay, I've got to start getting ready, start getting ready, make sure the dog's ready and, and um, and try and anticipate what the next move's going to be. Do you find when you anticipate you're revving up a bit? Yeah. In the, yeah, and how's your dog, the majority of your dogs, are they ramping up when you're ramping up? Jake did, um, and, and that's I think we both fed each other sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but whereas the other dogs, I'm nowhere near as, um, as tense with them um, sort of thing. Yeah, he was just, he just wanted to, to, to really go as quickly and, and, and he knew the course. So he used to anticipate to the point where sometimes he could have been a step too far and I knew he was going to do that sort of thing. And, and um, but uh, yeah, the other ones I'm, I'm nowhere near as bad. Nothing like having that blood boiling, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> they know you're at a trial too. They, they know. Is there a message you'd like to get out into the dog community? Um, I think, I think one main message is um, a lot of people talk about wanting to trial. They just don't think they're good enough. Um, my main thing is, you know, I'm, I'm far from a good trainer. Um, and, you know, I've done well. Um, so you don't have to put that pressure on yourself. Um, just get out there and have a go. And one of the mistakes I used to make when I first started with Jake, I'd go and I didn't, didn't back myself or back him. And I used to only enter in the maiden. So I'd go for a drive. I'd have one run. You know, maybe miss out on a final by one point, but I had to sit there all day. So that's my main bit of advice is, you know, back yourself. You know, you're going to make mistakes. The best fellas make mistakes. Um, yeah. So get out there, have a go, enter in everything because, um, you know, it's a long way to drive and, and time and, and, and you're only going to get better by the more runs you get under your belt. There's a question here from Carl Schubert. Um, is there any dog on the scene at the moment that um, is grabbing your attention and you think uh, a couple of the best dogs around? Um, it's a bit of a tough one because we just haven't trialled for so long. Um, sort of think like I haven't been to a trial now for, well, it's over 12 months, I'm pretty sure. Um, but, yeah, on the spot, I, I can't really think of anything. Um, there is a dog... Um, of Andrew Jensen's um, called Buck. He's he's a he's a good dog. I've 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 seen him run a few times, and I've seen a lot of videos of him. He's a he's a nice dog. Um, but yeah, there's there's good dogs everywhere. And like you said before, you're looking for those nice stylish dogs, but those oh sorry, nice type of dog. But also you mentioned Zane, those dogs that lay underneath. Um, do you want to explain a bit about that laying underneath for? Well, there's not a lot of dogs in Australia as well, and I don't necessarily have one either, uh, that can just stand nose to nose with the beast um, and give that beast an opportunity to move. Um, a lot of people think a tough dog is that swipe by um, bite, and, and you know, I've got dogs that do the, the, the exact same thing. To me, that's not a lot of strength. It, 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 it does move camel, it does do a job, and they, they do have to be tough to do it, but... There's not a lot of dogs that can actually just walk straight up to a, uh, you know, a 400 kilo, 500 kilo cow and just, you know, stand there and go, well, I'm not moving sort of thing yeah. and, and give them the opportunity to um, to move. And, and if they don't, well, they've got that good solid bite and then, um, you know, move on. 
Oh, that's cool, mate. And just to go back to what you were saying before about having a go, I suppose as Aussies, we're all pretty quick on putting shit on other people and um, having a dig. Um, so don't be scared, you know, people out there that are thinking about having a go. What's the worst that can happen, right? And, and trust me, it is a lot easier than you think. Um, you know, it, it's, um, you know, a couple of dogs I've ran, I had no sides on them. You know, like all I had was a stop and come behind. And, um, you know, I'd done the course, you know, because um, as they pop out one side, I could sit them and then call them in behind. And then if I wanted to go the other way, I'd send them around, sit them, and then come behind. So I had no real calls. And you can get by by doing that and have a bit of fun until you can sort of build your confidence up and work what works, do what works for you. And how inviting is the cattle scene for, for beginners? It is good. It is great. Like they, When I first started, it was great. And um, I, I think they're... They're really uh, wanting to invite more people in because the, the bigger the sport is, it's only better for the sport sort of thing. So I think it's a, it's a great sport to be in and, and I can see, um, talking from New South Wales, working dog, that they're really wanting to um, to definitely get newcomers to come and, and have a run. Well, there you go, mate. I'm not afraid to look like a dickhead and to have a crack at anything, so I think you've talked me into having a crack at a cattle trial. Yeah, that's it. Lucky you're already entered for that. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> it could have changed my mind pretty quickly. I got hunted. I've only ever tried one once for a novelty, and I got hunted pretty quickly. So, Mitchum, if you're listening out there, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a laugh about that a few weeks ago. Away from dogs, do you have a talent um, or hobby that people probably wouldn't know about? Um, I play the violin. No, I don't. I don't play. <laughs> um, no, I don't have many talents. Um, I used to play a bit of rugby, never was much good at it, but just enjoyed, you know, having fun, um, that sort of thing. So, but um, yeah, it's about it really, a bit of rugby. And um, we know, um, you know, everybody's got a lot to say and of different things and opinions. What's something that you'd like to see on Dog Talk, mate? Um, to be honest, I really enjoy everything you're doing already. There's not too, there's nothing I can think of that you sort of change too much. You, you're giving good interaction with all sorts of um, either um, dog people, dog trialers. You're giving people a voice and, and you're giving um, people that are interested someone to listen to. So I think it's great. It's a credit to you. No, thank you. And if there's are other people out there that have got any um, suggestions, don't be afraid. Come forward and have a chat to us, eh? We can't give you what we want if we don't know what you want. And unfortunately, if you don't come forward, you're going to hear what I want to know. So <laughs> speak up. Is there anyone you'd like to see us sit down and do a Q&A with? Uh, there's probably a few, but I think one person I find very interesting to listen to is uh, Joe Levin. He's from Casino as well. Yep. Um, I've seen him firsthand do things with dogs that, you know, I, I didn't think would, would come around. He really knows how to get into a mind of a dog. Uh, very quiet spoken, you know, his commands, they, they listen to every word, but they're, they're also thinkers, so he's not taking that dog out of him. But, yeah, I've, I've seen him turn a lot of dogs that you didn't think would be able to come around. Uh, thank you. Well, we know we've restricted you a bit tonight because well, we didn't turn those questions on. Um, but out of the ones that we got at the end there, mate, was there anything that stood out for you particularly? Um, I think I like the one about asking... Uh, whether the dogs are better from whatever country sort of thing. I think that's a good question. So, Chris, if you could uh, send us a message with your details and we'll get that bag out to you. So that was Chris Eager, mate. He, uh, he loves his colleagues. So 
Good work, Chris. Now so, we've come to that pointy end of the night. One last question. Would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? Um, <laughs> I spoke to the wife about, wife about this and I said, what do you think? And she said, go the, the duck the size of a horse because you can, being a rugby player, you should be able to step around it. But she obviously <laughs> didn't know my capabilities. I was never good at stepping. So um, I'd have to try and run straight through it. But anyway, I, that's the way I'd go, I think. <laughs> no, mate answered well and thank you very much for your time tonight mate and uh anything else before we close up that you'd like to get out there tonight mate no i think the main main point i have is i'd, I'd love more people to try the sport and just understand it's nowhere near as scary as um what you would think it is it's still nervous so i still get nervous out there but it's it's nowhere near as hard as what you think no mate, I, th I think you got that out there tonight and um i'll lead by example and, and have a go myself so Everyone out there, hope you had a great night. And remember, the day you stop to learn will be a sad day for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.